My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Elio's original. And welcome to Webcrawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into the weirdest, strangest, and most mysterious corners of the internet. So says the uh, That's chat our new GPT. AI intro. <laughs> yeah, which is so much better than the intro we yeah, can write great. ourselves. Yeah. I'm Ali Siegel. And I'm Melissa Stettin. Chatbot is not a bimbo, is one thing we've learned. <laughs> no, chatbot is smart. Yeah, chatbot's smart. Uh, Melissa, who are our patrons? We have Kelly. Dominique, Cassandra, MD, and OKC. Guys, welcome to the team. Hop on as soon as you can because Maria and I, the famed Missing Maria, hashtag Missing Maria, she is going to come with me to AlienCon tomorrow. And oh shit. All of that footage, all the interviews are going to be on our Patreon. So. And then Melissa and I will do a short wrap up, and maybe Maria will come for that if if she can pencil us in. You never, she's so busy. You never know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> she doesn't have time for us anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa, what is our episode about today? Well, today's episode is about a serial killer Ooh. called The Doodler. The Doodler. The Doodler. It's like The Watcher. The Watcher. <laughs> and we have an interview today with author Kate Zaliznak, who you know, Allie. Yes, I'm so excited. She is a writer. She also has a magazine uh, that I was featured in, which we'll talk about. No big deal. Playboy. Yeah, yeah. Hustler, (laughs) a little magazine called Hustler. (laughs) 
Um, and now she is a true crime author uh, and investigator. So we're so an expert on this case. So we're very lucky to have yeah, her. Yeah, this book is amazing that she wrote. It's yeah, so really good. in depth and really interesting. So the doodler is one of San Francisco's most infamous cold case murderers that I had never heard of. Me either. Crazy. And it's essentially local. Yeah. And he is believed to have killed at least six and up to 14 men in San Francisco between January 1974 and September 1975. Mm. He prowled bars and restaurants in communities like the Castro and the Tenderloin that were popular with gay men and lured them into sexual encounters before killing them and leaving their bodies on beaches or in parks around the city. Oof. And he was called the doodler because he would draw sketches of the men before he assaulted and killed them. That's so creepy. Yeah. Like imagine like a caricature artist being like, here I drew <laughs> a picture a of you. caricature of you and then yeah. murdering you. It's like, I wonder if the pictures were good. Because it'd be like a double, a double punishment if they drew like a really ugly picture of you and then killed you. Like with buck teeth. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't get caricatures at, at amusement parks because I'm like, I know I I know I have a big nose. You don't have to remind me like of what I Nathan look like. Nathan for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the offensive sketch chart. Yeah. So he drew Great pictures. Episode. Crazy. Um, so according to one victim who spoke with the police, the doodler told him he was a cartoonist. Interesting. And he's only publicly been linked to cases in San Francisco, but there's a chance he may have killed in other places. Uh Uh-oh. So why hasn't he been caught? So the police at the time believed that they found him. Multiple victims survived encounters with the doodler and described this person to the police. And among the victims was reportedly a well-known entertainer Wow. And a diplomat. Huh. Both men with like a lot to lose yes. if their sexual orientation became public knowledge because apparently they were in the closet still at this time. Yeah, because if you think about the 70s, it's still yeah. there were a lot of murders. You could lose your job. I mean, tarnish your reputation. It was a horrible time. Yeah, and it wasn't homosexuality wasn't decriminalized until Jesus. one month before the killing stopped. It's crazy. That, That's like, insane. That's not that long ago <laughs> that like being no. gay was like a crime prejudice against people. Yeah, it's crazy. Fuck. It's crazy. Um, so one of the suspects was cooperative with law enforcement, although he never admitted to any of the crimes. And the victims who survived all stayed silent and never testified in court because that would mean publicly outing themselves. So, so sad. without their testimony, the case couldn't go forward. And it's so horrible because like what a detriment to justice not saying that for them like they had every right not to publicly out themselves and Mm -hmm. ruin their lives due to the state of american like politics and belief system Mm -hmm. like imagine if it was celebrated and okay to be open so many cases could have been yeah solved i'm sure yeah and maybe these murders wouldn't even happened if it was okay to have your be comfortable with your sexual orientation yeah. who knows so in 2018 the san francisco police department investigator dan cunningham was put in charge of the department's cold case unit and he's 
put the doodler case back on the front burner. He's like, we got to open this back up. We got to figure this out. And then in 2019, Cunningham told CNN he sent DNA samples from two crime scenes to the lab. And at the time, he said that they were beginning to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. Like, all it takes, it's crazy that you hear about these cold cases, and then someone retires, and a new investigator comes in and is like, well, we got to solve this. Why hasn't anyone been, why are you so lazy? You're not solving this. Right. It's really crazy. Uh, The same man identified as a suspect in the 70s is still the primary person of interest. And he's recently been interviewed again by the police, like 40 years later or something. That's and Have they disclosed this person's name? They sort of, someone had found his name, but I don't know if it's actually his name. Yeah, no, they have a sketch, but I don't believe that they have. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's not legal to yeah, I don't think, disclose the name if there's not really enough. he hasn't been charged, so right. I don't think. Um, so here are the victims. There's Gerald Cavanaugh. Joseph J. Stevens, Klaus Christman, Frederick Kaplan, Harold Gulberg, and Warren Andrews are the six confirmed victims. Jeez. So Gerald Kavanaugh is 49. He was found January 27th, 1974 at Ocean Beach. His body was half in the water. He'd been stabbed 17 times, and they found defensive wounds, so indicating that he tried to fight back. Oh, so uh, Jay Stevens was 27, was discovered at Spreckles Lake five months later. He'd been stabbed five times. He was a well-known drag performer, mm. and he actually won an award in 1973 for his drag work. Oh, so sad. And then a few weeks later, Klaus Christman, a German tourist, was found dead at Ocean Beach. He'd been slashed across the throat. Oh. And unlike Kavanaugh Stevens, who were single, Christman was married with the children. And Frederick Kappen, 32, a Vietnam War veteran and nurse, was killed oh. May 1975. Harold Goldberg, 66, found at the 16th hole of the Lincoln Park Golf Course. Uh, the coroner told the media the body was hidden in an igloo-like cove of brush. So it was like hidden. Yeah. And then Warren Andrews, was working as a lawyer for the U.S. Postal Service in San Bruno when he was discovered in a pool of blood by a hiker at Oof. Land's End in April 1975. He suffered traumatic injuries from being brutally beaten and died a oh, few God. weeks later. He was 52. So this is all like part. crimes of passion. The the stabbing yes. and the s- slitting someone's throat and beating someone to yeah. death. I mean, that's, that's all crimes of passion. So the surviving victim. So we have this diplomat. From a country in Northern Europe. He was will remain nameless. Okay. He first encountered the doodler at 2 a.m. July 1975. He saw him drawing pictures of animals on napkins mm. and invited him back up to his apartment. And the doodler went to the bathroom, locked the door, did come out for a bit. Then suddenly he came out and stabbed the diplomat. Oh, God. He recalls the doodler saying, you guys are all alike, whatever that means. And he was able to break free because the doodler's steak knife broke. So this is this guy escaped. Uh, Two weeks later, the doodler was able to get back into that same apartment building, which is odd, went into an apartment, tied up a guy with rope. But this guy started screaming and the security came, but the doodler was able to escape. 
That's strange that he went into the same apartment building, was like, I'm going to try to kill someone else. Yeah. It's so weird. I'm getting this, like, very vivid image. And, like, I this i mean who knows where this is coming from but this is just my perception of the doodler and like as we learn more about it like who knows and and we don't know um but i feel like this is a man who is very repressed sexually and is yeah. probably you know a homosexual mm-hmm. and wants to pursue these kinds of things and like mm-hmm. maybe like when he finally gets to a point where something sexual might happen feels so much rage that he can't go through with it that he ends up like yeah. acting out and and killing and i can imagine like him going to this diplomat's house and like maybe when he's locking himself in the bathroom he's like having a conversation with himself of like can he do that or i can even imagine him like honestly like jerking off in the bathroom or something like that because he feels like all this like sexual feelings and then coming out and like killing him because he's like so angry and i feel like that you guys are all alike is like maybe like this idea of maybe like you know you invited me up without knowing me or something like that and i I don't know like there's just so much repressed Mm -hmm. feelings around this yeah i think that that's what all the investigators assume too but this oh this apartment building (laughs) which i read in katie's book uh was built in 1966 and was allegedly cursed by anton levey the founder of the church of satan Satan. yeah that was a create i read that i was like huh yeah what a weird crossover because the building replaced the fox theater and apparently Anton LaVey played organ there a few days before it was demolished. That's the rumor. That, that's what he claims. That's what he says. But no one, that's just what he said. That's so, that's so bizarre. Inter- interesting fact about yeah, that building. Yeah, an interesting history of that building. Uh, the third surviving victim was an actor who was well enough or well known enough in America to be fearful of being outed. Wow. So I wonder who that was in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, he said he invited the doodler into his home. And in bed, a knife fell out of the doodler's jacket pocket. Oh, God. So he was able to, like, get that guy out of there, like, yeah. before he was going to kill him. Uh, the diplomat described the doodler as young, between 19 and 23, black, tall, and lanky, narrow face with high-set cheekbones, wide-set eyes, with a calm look to them. Oh. The sketch was made in 1975. Yeah, so there's sketches available if you Google it. There's sketches, yeah. and then there's also an age. Um, yeah, it's not age regression because that's in the past. Age right? What is it called? It's progression. A- progression. I was going to say age <laughs> aggression. Age I'm like, that's not. Yeah, there's an age pro- uh, progression Benjamin sketch. Button. It's an age yeah. regression. What he looks like when he's five. <laughs> yeah, they have. They have like you know uh, when he's <laughs> in his mother's womb. Uh, so there's a possible break in the case. Mm. So. A secretary of a psychiatrist called the police and said her boss was seeing a patient who might be the doodler. Oh, shit. The police ignored the tip. Oh, my God. So the secretary called back, gave a license plate number three days later. Jesus Christ. And then the psychiatrist called the police and said one of his patients had confessed to being the doodler and he looked like the sketch. Oh I love God. that they're like a secretary called. They're like, 
no ma'am we're not and then like yeah. the psychiatrists call and they're like oh a man's calling well also i love the idea of being a psychiatrist and then being like hey sarah will you call the cops about how um this client's a murderer and she's like sure <laughs> hey it can just just if when you have a second just call the cops and say yeah okay, a i'm seeing a murderer Thanks. like I'll i take care of that break. stat yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah he said he looks like the doodler psychiatrist said he said he was having a hard time dealing with his sexuality interesting uh the police interviewed this guy and he said that he was no longer having trouble with his sexuality because he had a girlfriend and everything was okay he's like no i'm fine Everything's fine. Didn't he do conversion therapy or something? Or what was known at the time as conversion therapy? Oh. Or I guess it's still... I think so. I think that he was put in a hospital for conversion therapy. But yeah, DNA wasn't a thing back then. So they didn't... There's no way to tie him to the murders. That's so crazy. They surveilled him for a while. And then coincidentally, the killing stopped. I mean coincidentally yeah so this guy the suspect he took a road trip around the u.s shortly after being questioned which was a little odd yeah he went from san francisco to the south then to the east coast then to the midwest and the police said there may have been similar murders in louisiana oh god but they don't that's unsolved murders that happened while he was there oh jesus He's like, I got to get out of San Fran. I got to go murder somewhere else. Yeah. I, I, what a coincidence that the, the murder stopped yeah. when he started being pursued in San Francisco and then started in another place yeah. that he was visiting. Um, and then in 2018, they updated the suspect sketch. He's probably in his 70s by now. Wow. And the police contacted this original suspect, the patient. He reiterated his innocence but they secretly got a DNA sample from oh, him. That old, like, have a cup of coffee. Yeah, like the, um, <laughs> the who was that? The East Area Rapist. Yeah. Uh, so in 2019, they officially re- reopened the case. They tried to find the psychiatrist who reported him back in 75. The only evidence they had, like, record of that, was a piece of paper with the name Dr. Priest. C Highland Hospital. They found it just on like a scrap of post paper. <laughs> but they realized it was probably spelled wrong. An investigator at the San Francisco Chronicle found a Dr. Priest, P R E E C E, working at Highland Hospital at yeah. the time, but he died in 2005 because he probably say be, he's probably older, yeah. Yeah. So the police believe he may have killed up to 16 people and they're still he's it's still at large today but they're it's open case. Yeah, and still working on it. Reward money, etc., things like that have been increased uh for trying to solve the case um etc. So she'll she'll give us some illuminating and facts. And also we'll about get into that. the Twinkie defense, which is the most which insane. Is a crazy thing. Yeah, and just the police corruption, um, etc. Let's take a quick break for announcements. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to bonus episodes, adventures to Alien Con, and other 
conventions, shout outs, merchandise discounts, please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become one of our bimbo patrons. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we will shout you out. Give us some five-star reviews because some uh, lames have been some giving us lame-os. some lame dorks have been giving us some lower reviews for some things they're not happy about also erios has a hotline insert jingle here 626-604-6262 you guys have been coming back full force just like we asked continue to call please we love it so much planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now back to our program. Today, we are so lucky. We have guest and expert Kate Zaliznock. She is the writer of the San Francisco Doodler Murders. She is a Bay Area-based writer and editor. Her past work has covered a wide range of topics, including music, history, science, pop culture, and politics. She is also the founder of Open Color. It's an arts collective and magazines. And uh, no big deal, but I have been featured in it in the first edition, if you want to check that out. Um, And this is her first true crime book, and we both read it, and it was fantastic, and we are lucky to have her expertise and ask her some questions. So here is Kate. Okay. Melissa, it's your question, you idiot. (laughs) Oh, hello. (laughs) We're here. Uh, So yeah, Kate, okay. Amazing book. It was so interesting, like all the history of crimes and serial killers. And like, it was so much more than just the murder. Yeah. And like, what got you interested in this case? Well, first of all, like, thank you for having me, obviously. I love the podcast. Of course. And thank you for the compliments on the book. (laughs) Um, What got me interested in the case, actually, is I had a, a book publisher asked if I would be interested in writing um, a book about art because I have an arts collective and do all these things in that realm. 
and it was the you're pandemic. like no how about yeah. serial killers a hundred percent because it was the pandemic yeah. this is just when it had started um and i just thought why not so i said well what about this and i said well send us some pitches and so that's when i was really looking at um crimes that were and that happened in the area so that i was familiar with the place um I really wanted it to be a serial killer. I was not going to do the Zodiac for a million reasons. Um, yeah. So just having those two factors, you know, also it being a cold case, um, the jeweler came up pretty quickly. And I was really surprised that uh, I didn't know more about it. I had heard something in passing years ago. Um, but other than that, I, you know, I'd never seen it on any of the million I had never heard shows. about it either. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I think one thing like that's interesting about that is I wonder if the majority of the cold cases, especially ones that are not heavily publicized, are ones that are, you know, with minority communities and indigenous communities and like LGBTQ communities as well. And like cold cases in general. Um, So to detour, like my next question is, how did homophobia in that time for though i mean this is uh going to be the end of the episode but just to reiterate for people who might be coming in late um uh the people who were the victims uh most were in the lgbtq community plus community um how did homophobia play in both like the potential incentive of the doodler, like maybe internalized homophobia and like the reluctance of the police to pursue the crimes or people to come forward? Because that's right. to be a big theme. Basically, the main element, I think, of the reason why this case hasn't been solved is like undoubtedly homophobia. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I say in the book that it's really the killer's co-conspirator and uh, his what keeps mm-hmm him shielded his identity um, hidden because what happened is when there are people who survive these crimes, they very rarely, especially, you know, during that time, um, didn't want to report it, didn't want to come forward because a lot of them were closeted. And even if they were not closeted, it was just, they had no faith in the police for very, very legitimate reasons. Right. You know, why am I going to put myself, I've already been traumatized so severely. I'm going to go into the cops and be re-traumatized and they're not going to do anything anyway. Um, And then from the killer's perspective, um, yeah, there's there. I'm sure you guys have talked about, there's a um, person of interest that San Francisco PD has had for a long time. And this person um, went through, you know, alleged, what we call conversion efforts now. Mm. So the one theory is that this is a person with deeply internalized homophobia, self-hatred, um, who, who is truly um, a member of the LGBTQ plus community, but is right. too ashamed to deal with it and is taking his rage out that way. However, you know, I do write in the book, there are also um, what are called missionary serial killers. And uh, an example I give is Juan Chavez in 94. Um, who also targeted gay men, um, and he was doing it because his words were they were spreading AIDS mm. and all types of horrible, mm-hmm. you know, accusations. And right, of course. So he, yeah, he was using, he was homophobic and was using very similar to the doodler a sexual lore to get his victim. Right. But usually, I mean, the doodler 
killed people before any actual sex- sexual acts happened that at least yeah. that we can see from right. the autopsies um and juan chavez was similar in that way so it's kind of a split fork where you can see why that's my other question is are these just hate crimes because if they're right. hate crimes that changes the whole jurisdiction of Narrative. this entire case and to me, it is absolutely worth it, especially considering that there is no um, evidence of sexual activity, that we should be able to put that in a hate crime category, give that to the FBI. Because it's also very unclear as to what level, if any, um, the FBI has had in this. You right. know, I don't know if they have been in close contact and just haven't shared that. I don't know why they wouldn't share that if that was happening, because that would be something that would definitely push people, um, meaning the killer, people know the killer or whatever it is to come forward. But um, you can see the argument for, for either one. But again, the person of interest who has, you know, a lot of reasons to look uh, toward this person, um, you know, in all likelihood is, you know, internalizing self, self hatred, you know, that's a good question. Bringing up the hate crime aspect is what is, preventing this from being called a hate crime because if you were to think about what a hate crime is when you're already when you're only you know uh killing one kind of community like what is preventing this from being called a hate crime i mean that's a great question and i think you know we had we saw i think wherever it was that Recently, a serial killer was killing um, homeless people of color, just coming up right. and shooting them on the street, right? And I think it took a minute. In that in that case, this person was found relatively in the scheme of things quickly. Obviously, not as quickly as we like, because it was like five people who got murdered. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, they found this person. So... That's a case that I kind of want to get in the nitty gritty of and see how they went about that because it does have some similarities. Right. But to me, I mean, if we're talking about a checklist, I think a lot of hate crimes are even, I hate to say this, even more overt, mm. you know, use it. But the fact that a survivor said that this man said, right. you people are all the same. Yeah. You know, like there's, to me, that's enough. To me, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. sealed delivered. Somebody is right. targeting gay men and murdering gay men. Yeah. And it's not some gray area of, you it's know. It's not a coincidence. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. To me, they should be classified as a, as a hate crime. Yeah, agree. So I don't know if they'll do that or if they have done that. You know, it's, it's always murky, you know, figuring out exactly what's going on behind the scenes. Right. It was really sad reading um jay the victim his sister yeah was like said they kept trying to contact the police to like get an update and the police were like oh sorry this is like the 65th yeah. homicide this year like I mean, we have too that? much going on i would lose crazy my, would they're lose like my mind my brother was know? murdered they're There's, like sorry we have too much too much going on yeah and you crazy. know to not even say you know, from what I gathered and from what, you know, Melissa kind of remembers is that there was, um, you know, oh, well, tell me about his boyfriend, which all seems very, you know, you should be doing that. But then you have questions afterwards. Well, mm-hmm. how much do you do? Because it seems like you have no case files and there's right. no more information and everything's still sealed. And 
Jay's murder, two things about Jay. Number one, he's the victim that we know the most about because he was local. Mm -hmm. um, He had a huge group of friends and he's the only one who was really openly out. Mm. Um, Right. And so his murder is a little different. And the thing was, though, that uh, that really struck me is that he seemed like such a funny, fun, just energetic person. Like the kind of person, who, like like you guys riffing on each other, yeah. just kind of like making <laughs> jokes. Like a great spirit. Yeah, like he seems he seems very much like he was that yeah. kind of a person. So that's heartbreaking, and it's heartbreaking that I don't have that much information, you know, comparatively speaking, as I do on him, uh, the other victims. And I think that that was definitely intentional. Intentional. Yeah, it seems mm-hmm. like the overlap between like what Dahmer did as well mm-hmm. and like the in a, or the disinterest of the police to be like, I'm not going to this isn't I'm not going to prioritize this right right now. I have other right. stuff going on. Right. Um, How did they eventually connect the killings to the doodler? Can you tell us more about like this person of interest and why this person of interest was eventually let go? So they didn't have, well, first of all, how this person was connected is survivors had come forward and had given a sketch of the man who attacked them. <clears throat> and police first got a phone call from a woman who worked at the psychiatrist's office. Again, just for a blanket statement. When you hear me say psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist in the context right. of any type of conversion yeah. effort, they are not real Psychiatrist, yes. psychologist, <laughs> or therapist. I just have to right. say that. Um, but from uh, in one of those offices, and she called and said, "We somebody needs to call us back. We have information mm-hmm. about this case. Nobody called back. She called again. Really need someone to call us back. Yeah. No call back. Called again. It's so crazy. With a that license plate, so she called, you know, and then finally, it, you won't believe that when the male doctor <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. He calls. A man is calling. You need to listen and to also, me. They're like, okay, I, mean, sir. I don't know why he wouldn't be the first person to call. If that's right. not a call I would pass on to my secretary that yeah. one of my so-called patients confessed <laughs> to this string of murders that are incredibly violent. I wouldn't pass yeah. that off, you know? But either way, you know, that's what happened. And um, really the only, I mean, most of what we know about that scenario and when I say we, I mean, anybody, including PD, knows about that yeah. is from what um, the detectives told the press at that time. There's the original notes are gone. Um, one of the detectives was notorious for just writing things um, phonetically. So, oh, yeah, no idea. It could have been Dr. Priest. It could have been Dr. Or spelled completely different right yeah it could have priest. been any you know it could have been it could have been anybody and the i thing can't is remember that, oh sorry continue no, and i was just gonna say that more of the same that it's just like if that one it's so much in this case if just one little one uh, little thing would have happened you know i think that it'd be solved already but go ahead we, I was going to say, we just we covered a cold case once. I can't remember which one it was, but where uh, the officers didn't write anything down. They just decided they were going to remember it. 
Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. and so there was no paper trail. It was just this one guy who was just going to remember everything. Um, he's so like, I remembered that. And he remembered everything incorrectly, like all his details. Of were, course. He was like did. 80 years old. Yeah. Too. He could ask me the most <laughs> yeah. basic questions about yesterday, and I wouldn't have every detail right. So the oh, fact I don't went into no a idea. complex crime scene. <laughs> No notebook. No, like just just even bring a voice <laughs> recorder and talk to yourself. It requires yeah. zero effort. It's horrible, and it shows yeah. for just like both the disinterest and like the arrogance yeah. of the police, mm-hmm. where they're just like, "I got this." Slash, I don't really care that it. Nothing about this really. Right, matters. and a lot of times, I mean, I, I missed this episode so i want to hear it afterwards but a lot of times because they walk in and they're like oh this is a suicide or right is the husband or the girlfriend or the whatever and they're like why would i even need to write anything down you know yeah they come in with a preconceived notion so they don't even want to look any further no no and it's easier to just close the case that's what gets your right rate up of closing cases you know that's a great point yeah Oakland's at forty three percent right now. So. <laughs> it's not like, just, well, I know. I think San Francisco might be a little better, but yeah, no, we're well below fifty percent right now. So, oh, scary. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying um, to wonder what Los Angeles. There was one part is. in the book that made me gasp, where I was like, <gasps> and it was the Fox Plaza was apparently cursed by Anton Lavey, okay. founder of the Church of Satan. That is the story. Seems like he also <laughs> like did a did a somewhat typical thing and kind of like exaggerated a little bit, but yeah, yeah, he loved that the Fox Theater was there before, and he loved the Fox Theater, and that mm-hmm. was like a whole. He scene. played the organ there. Yes, he played <laughs> the organ. Well, then that's the thing with stories like this, and I kind right. of mentioned it in the book. Where I'm like, this is yeah. the mythology. The There's so much mythology in the case as well with the drawings and the blah blah blah. blah. And same thing with Fox Plaza, where, you know, he swore, you know, I played the organ night before the wrecking ball came in and blah, blah, blah. And then there are other people who were like, there wasn't an organ there, you know? Right. So other people say that happened. It's just kind of, you know, it's so... Yes. He's uh, an interesting and, guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. not happy <laughs> that that building was being built. And like, you know, you can tell from the case... And just the history of that building. There's like a lot of, yeah, a lot of suicide, a lot, lot of bad all stuff. All kinds of bad stuff in that building. It's still, I don't, people still live in it, so. Oh, you have to look <laughs> into that building. Yeah, right. Maybe that's your next episode. Yeah, but. circle back to that. I liked chapter 15, the whole what makes a serial killer. And I, I found that it's interesting that the doodler is somewhat of an outlier because his demographic so many is ways. extremely under researched. Yes, exactly. It's so that's so weird with all of these um, facts, right? Like when when people see, you know, that it's like fifty one or fifty two percent of serial killers that we have incarcerated are black. They go, "Oh my god, half of serial killers are black." No, <laughs> black men don't have the luxury of being, right. having assumed innocence all the time. Yes. So you know, it's much harder to, you know. Anyway, yeah. so he's an outlier to me so much more in the sense of, like I mentioned, the sexual lore without any sex. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that, you know, where these um, attacks happen, the fact that he 
sort of jumped around from um, being way out in, you know, where it's pretty discreet. I mean, yes, the beach and the park and all that were cruising grounds, but it's still, you have the roar of the ocean. It's foggy. I mean, it's pretty, um, if you're going to kill somebody, it's a pretty good spot to, to choose. And then to go from such a huge leap to go into someone's apartment and yeah and then lose that fight and then come back to that apartment that's crazy like a week and a half later it's it's fair to the point like i you know explore in the book a little bit that there is that question and you know sfpd has talked with me about this and is very much considering this that there is that gap between the victims who were found on the beach and all there's a gap in time or where they were last seen and where they were found. Um, mm. They were not seen as least as far as anyone has come out, including PD seen, you know, with anybody matching the description. Um, mm. These, all these murders and are really linked through the survivors through the stabbing wow. attempts, through the targeting of the gay men, um, and the rage is really the thing that, that they're connecting those two. I always have to be open to the possibility that there is more than one killer in the situation. Oh, interesting. Because that's, right. a, that's a fact anyway. I talk about that in the book. There yeah. were one, two, three, um, just in the Bay Area, and that's just targeting gay men. Right. That's not counting people who, you know, are just going after other demographics. It's, I have to be open to that possibility. And I know they are too, but I think it's also a matter of there's a lot, if nothing else, with these survivors um, that absolutely points to this one person of interest. So at the very least, getting, you know, just someone to come forward, you know, I think of there have to be other victims who survived that we've never heard of. And yeah, I just, my heart breaks for them because at the time, you know, we've talked about the judgment and the price you pay for coming out and all of that went through that. But I feel like also people could feel judgment now for totally different reasons and Mm. they shouldn't. That's all I, you know, like for not coming forward at the time exactly and i i just want you know so deeply to get the the message across that there's just there's no space for criticism or judgment or nobody's you know they should be met with nothing but open arms and support and you know whatever they need to to get through that um because i think that would be a really big part of solving this as well huge absolutely yeah i do not believe that these three victims that are these three survivors I spoke about in the book are the only ones. There's just no way. Yeah. No, no I don't think so either. Someone in the book who I found like profoundly interesting is, uh, Rotea Guilford. Um, and you had, uh, the the obituary said uh, the first San Francisco cop to mobilize the city's gay community to help catch a serial killer. Um, says a lot of cops didn't want to go into a gay bar back then, but Gil was comfortable with everyone. He showed me that if you treated everyone with respect, you would receive a lot more cooperation. He practiced the ultimate ideal of community policing long before the term became popular. Tell us more about uh, him. Tell us more about Rotea. Yeah, so Rotea Guilford, who I just referred to as Guilford, just 
Yeah. <laughs> um, he, you know, he dealt with a lot of bullshit in, in SFPD from the very beginning. He's a young black officer, um, really had to fight his way through the ranks and uh, organized something called Officers for Justice, which mm. was a group of not just black officers, other officers who, um, not mainly black officers who were, you know, saying this is our treatment is unfair. I mean, they would be sent out in, in really dangerous situations and need backup or whatever Oof. it is. And they would hear somebody on the radio. You don't have any friends here. Nobody's coming so for you. Horrible. I mean, how, unbelievable. So yeah. he went through that, sued SFPD and, and got, um, you know, testified against them in order to, um, for, for fair, hiring practices basically which is a scary thing to do terrifying and then you go back to your job i mean where these people your life is in these people's hands a lot hands you know so did that and um i mean i I didn't really find anyone who had really a bad word to say about him in terms of his um career and you know overall his his just Focus on the youth, focus on um, getting youth to have either, he loved football, but really anything yeah. to um, keep young people focused on future opportunities and learning discipline. And um, he just contributed a lot to the community. And he's still known. I mean, he's a legend, like I say in the book. That's incredible. He, he is. He's just like the one of the, one of the uh, uh, hallmark chapters in in the sfpd history that's amazing um an aside i love aside will will you tell us about um this insane twinkie defense i that you talk about in the book (laughs) (laughs) it's i just i can't you know we talk about all different types of privilege and the twinkie defense to me is one of the most ridiculous you know, examples of it. That's when I gasped in the book. Was <laughs> yeah. this I mean, it's, it's really unbelievable. You know, for anybody who, I don't know if you caught anybody up in the intro yeah. about who Dan White was and right. murdered Harvey Milk and the mayor at the time, um, just walked in and shot them and walked out. There was a whole back history, as there always is in a murder, for all kinds of feeling right. slighted and feeling robbed and but he was actually friends, friendly, I would say, you know, with these people. And, right. You know, had some sort of, I hesitate to say psychotic break, because when you make very clear-cut conscious choices and you're not, yes. you know, hallucinating or doing anything else, I don't know what you would call it. We it was like ego, some episode. weird ego-driven, like, yeah, episode yeah, something. Very yeah, very deep-seated, like rage total total and so he snapped and went in and shot you know and then he was on trial and his his lawyer said well you know he used to be a really healthy guy you know all of his fruits and veggies and he doesn't do that anymore he just he has like seven cokes a day and like 20 twinkies and that's really what he eats you know every single day and of course this is the lawyer studies show Oh my god that is so that you know how all the dangers of sugar and it's basically like cocaine and all i mean really spiraled out into the 
he couldn't right. possibly have premeditated these murders because he was in such a sugar a sugar high yeah sugar high sugar rage <laughs> sugar did couldn't see straight didn't know what he was doing um amazing and yeah he got he they got like i think it was six or seven years and he got out in five is something yeah like that. his and sentence was decreased low. because of yeah. this twinkie defense which right. is shows the <laughs> you know privilege of you know it's insane it's absolutely insane you know and yeah i Crazy. i wouldn't have that wouldn't have convinced me on a jury but no, no. well you know the jury found him guilty i should say the sentencing is a slightly right. different thing but yeah yes um <laughs> to wrap it up uh it is the 49th anniversary um what is being done like what are the efforts now it's still a cold case like what's going on with the case so where everybody is right now is just really trying to get anyone who remembers anything to mm. come forward even if they think it's completely irrelevant anybody who was in that scene at the time going to these bars hearing you know even if it's rumors, whatever it is. Right. Because what I know so far is that they have touched DNA that they have found, um, recovered. Mm-hmm. Most of the DNA turned out to be victims' DNA, but they have touched DNA. SFPD Crime Lab, as far as I understand it, does not do um, things like a SNP or an SMP profile of DNA, which is much more... Um, much more specific and complex. That's what they use to, to catch the, the Idaho psychopath. If they could, you know, send that DNA off, I would, that's what I keep saying in my interviews is that they haven't done that. That yeah. would be the thing to do because that would really bypass the need for people to, you know, reopen wounds all the way and things like that. Um, but yeah, it started with a hundred thousand dollar reward that was released in 2018 and that reward was doubled to $200,000 about a year ago. And um, a few weeks ago, they upped it to $250,000. I do, you know, I feel really confident that um, SRPD is making this case a priority. I do That's think, fair. though, that the more exposure that this case mm-hmm. gets, the more people talk about it. That is that is what's going to keep that focus on because there's always going to be something mm-hmm. else that comes up that, right. you know, bigger and more recent and all that type of stuff. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what happened with the with the Golden State Killer. Like that's people what I was just kept about talking about it. Yeah, and, eventually... and then the message boards and specials yeah. and podcasts and all types of things. And that that is really what got... Um, some of the top genealogists attention you know because if you can get something circulated enough right somebody's going to hear about it who knows somebody else since oh yeah i have a cousin who you know yeah was on the human genome project or something insane right <laughs> you know? or had this had this crazy experience with someone who was just like that you know i should right. go to the police and and talk to them because even if, it doesn't mean that this all happened in in san francisco right That's right the other thing any mm-hmm. like LA, any the more people, like I said, just who hear about it and who know about it, the more likely it'll get solved. But I do feel very strongly that like it will be solved because it's just so close. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, Kate, if people want to buy your book or reach you or follow you if you want to be followed on social media, where can people do that? 
so you can go <laughs> to my website or my handle, but they're both my name. And my, <laughs> I will spell we'll put a link okay, in the, why don't we do in the show notes. Yes. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> I'm very proud of my Ukrainian last name. Yes, it is Ukrainian. <laughs> no, it's not. I get it. I'm I'm Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian Russian. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, so. Russian Russian Ukrainian. Yeah, well, interesting mix. But yes, <laughs> you're not alone. There are many, yeah. many, many. <laughs> yes. Um, um, yeah, it's just at KateZelizak, and they will put links for you. The other thing is, you can always awesome. just search for the book if you type in San Francisco Doodler Murders book. That's my book. So awesome. The, the and with a long name. <laughs> and oh, also, uh, open color. Are you still doing oh, yeah. that as well? We're, about to, we're getting ready to do a lot of stuff with that, actually. Very exciting. Open awesome. color is my Ooh. arts collective and my arts magazine. There's actually an interview I did with Allie years ago. <laughs> yes, I mentioned that. So it was everyone, so exciting. This is an easier thing to find online. <laughs> um, it's at on Instagram or open.color, open period color. And um, we are opencolor.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kate. We really, really appreciate it. This is such an important story that needs to be uh, brought to light and solved. So um, thank you for doing the work and uh, helping to get this into the public attention. We appreciate it. Absolutely. And I appreciate all the work you guys have done as well. Thank you so much. Awesome. Have a great day. You too. (laughs) Bye. Melissa, if people have any more information about this case, have any theories, uh, or want to reach us, where can they do so? You can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. All right. Well, I am Ali Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.